Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Zach Glazer. And I'm Ashley Steckler. And this is episode 416 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Sarah talks with Lobster Kristen Carlton about being a legal nomad. Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists, Berkshire Receptionists, and Lawyerist Lab. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you more about them later on. So Ashley, in the episode today, we're talking, or Sarah is talking with Kristen Carlton about being a legal nomad. And I don't think that means moving from, you know, legal jurisdiction to legal jurisdiction or running away from the law. I think it, I think it means working as a lawyer from anywhere. Yeah. And I think this is an interesting concept. I am fascinated by it. And Zach, I actually think you and I have both worked for remote jobs in, in remote positions, doing remote work and went from place to place. You actually did it recently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just moved from South Dakota, middle of nowhere, South Dakota to uh, Memphis, Tennessee while, you know, continuing to work and, and moving everything, moving equipment and getting internet turned on and all that stuff. And it, it's not a difficult thing. It's not as difficult as it has been previously, you know? Yeah, the only thing that's changed for me is I see a different background. <laughs> yes, yes. I <laughs> I have different carpeting in the room here. So it's not that different. But I, I've also, I have practiced law from different countries while traveling. I've actually had a meeting with the judge's office while I was in Estonia. I've had many meetings while I was in Colombia or Iceland. And now I'm just rattling off places I've traveled to because I, I, you know, want to talk about them. But yeah, keep um, going. I have been able to, to actually practice law while traveling because we can bring our equipment with us. I think it's a, it's a fascinating thing to be able to do. And I think we all know that we can do it temporarily now. Yeah. Can we do it permanently? Yeah. It'll be a fascinating conversation. I'm actually looking forward to it. So Let's hear Sarah's conversation with Kristen. I'm Kristen Carlton. I am an attorney here in Chicago. I am in solo practice. I work with a paralegal and legal assistant to help me get my work done. I started my practice May of last year full-time, last year meaning 2021. I decided, okay, I've got more clients than I can handle in my notebook. So let me get Cleo. So I got Cleo and it was like almost as soon as I employed the tool now, like everything to like fill up the use of that tool started to happen. So the clients started to, to come more. I work primarily with entrepreneurs or actually I should say only with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Those are my clients. I am their counsel. I help them negotiate the contracts. I track the contracts. I help them buy other businesses. I help them sell off pieces of their business. So I almost never have to go to court, which makes the, you know, remote work possible. 
Yeah, that's super exciting. Well, it's so good to have you on the Lawyerist podcast. It's really been a joy to watch you do this thing and grow this business. And I know that our audience is super excited to hear how you did it. So talk to us about sort of your vision for your life and how that relates to this firm that you want to build. Did you always know that you wanted to primarily work remotely and travel the world or did that kind of evolve over time? Kind of tell us how you got here. So there's a lot of things that have come like together to make this possible. I've always known I wanted to travel. I could never figure out with the jobs that I've had how to make that thing happen. One of my favorite jobs was working for a company in Africa where I got to travel like, you know, all the time. Like I spent a quarter, you know, one month and a quarter in Africa and then the other two months going around literally the world to take care of stuff for them and then back there again. And so that was amazing because my home base was still here in Chicago. I left that business and then worked for a traditional like corporate job and hated it. I hated, I hated getting up in the morning. I hated everything about it, but it was good exposure and you learned a lot of stuff. And so when I was sitting down asking myself as part of, you know, the lawyerist work, what does your client look like? What does your life look like? I'm like, that job was the most fun job I ever had. I like to do that, but not be captive to one client. I need to diversify because something happens to that client. What happens to me? And so fortunately for me, or unfortunately, or just the time came, this year, my daughter graduated high school. So my oldest daughter, already gone. This one graduated high school, going away to college. So now I have an empty nest. So empty nest and law degree, (laughs) bar passage, clients, let's make it happen. So I started doing the work full time last year, just as she was going into her senior year, because I saw the empty nest coming. I'd known about the remote year program, which is the program that I travel with and how they were basically encouraging being a digital nomad. And I'm digital. I've got my MacBook Pro and I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to to go and travel 12 countries in 12 months. But with my kids still adapting to being the freshman in college, I'm like, I can't go and be away for 12 months in their entirety, but I could do smaller bursts, right? So they went from offering only 12 months to offering four months to offering programs one month at a time. So last November, I'm sitting in my living room after Thanksgiving, scrolling through the emails on my phone that I had ignored on Thanksgiving day. And I see this offer to go to Spain in July at like 30% off. And I'm like, boop, 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 I'm in. And it's really dangerous, right, to buy stuff on your phone. But of course, that's what I did. And yeah, so that put me in Spain in July. I'm in July work because it was post-graduation. It was right at that time before college starts in August, but after graduation in June where I could get away and just see what it felt like. And it worked out really well. It worked out really well. Did I answer your question? Yeah, and I think that this is probably going to inspire a lot of people to take a step back from the the day-to-day grind and realize and kind of remember, oh yeah, I can create this thing, this business, this firm to be whatever I want it to be. And you are living proof of that. 
you are doing it and you're figuring it out as you go. I mean, and it kind of seems like maybe the stars aligned and it was good timing with your daughters, you know, going away and you having this new opportunity in life, which a lot of lawyers, you know, we're all going to get to that point where we're like, okay, what's next for me? And so it's, it's super inspiring to see you really just take the reins on your life and look at your firm as a tool for you to live your best life. Cause that that's really what it is. So let's talk more about like how you did it. How did you make it work in terms of working remotely and all the things that need to be thought of in being a lawyer in the U S but not actually physically practicing in the U S tell us about some of the like roadblocks that maybe had come up in your mind or the fears or the questions of how am I going to do this? And then tell us how you figured it out. I'm going to say this is one of the few things that I thank the COVID pandemic for because it forced everyone at the same time to really reconsider what it means to work remotely. A lot of people kept their jobs and then they went home to wherever their families were. And sometimes that was in the states that their initial job was. Sometimes that was home in Florida, like I had a friend to go to. Some people went home to their families in Switzerland or wherever it is in the world they were. And they continued to work because everybody recognized that the access to Wi-Fi, access to a VPN with those work could continue. I happened to be doing work for a bank right at the time of the pandemic. So all these PPP loans that had to get like processed and out and looking at the volume of work that we were all doing, allowing the banks to do what they needed to do fully remote, like really opened my eyes to what the possibilities were. And so last year when I was like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to do this thing. I went at it with the intention of being a fully virtual practice, which meant that I had to have all of the tools. Unfortunately, I'm like, I won't call myself an app junkie, but I really like my apps. I love my apps. If I can do it on my phone, it can be done. So DocuSign, HelloSign, Friends, QuickBooks, all kinds of apps, Friends, Clio, Lifesaver, good friend, right? So I got the Clio Manage, I got the Clio Grow. So now I can build all my templates, all of those I did for my laptop, all of the work I did remote. So I had that whole kind of year to prepare and to practice what it's like to deal with clients, to deliver their work, to have them be happy and satisfied with their work, to watch these businesses grow without ever having seen me sit in person. Part of it is retraining our clients, but they were they were ripe for it coming off of the shutdown because everyone was acclimated in some way to doing things not in person. And so since I don't have to appear in court, I don't have to appear before judges, most of my work was according to the time as I scheduled it. And so Calendly, again, another tool, fabulous app for my phone that made the work really possible because then I could hear the times that are available in my calendar and I could put that little Calendly thing right in my signature. Now, a lot of people do it. I don't know if attorneys are doing it, but what I found is with those small business customers, particularly because by the time that they want an attention from their attorney, they got a problem that they need me to address. 
and they can get on the calendar and see me when they need to see me versus calling. So that's another thing that I put myself in practice to do. I answer my own phone, but the people that are calling me are probably already clients now. I don't do the kind of marketing that will cause my phone to blow up. Oh my God, I would go crazy. But clients can call me if they need to and and know that I'm going to answer the phone. Unless, of course, I'm in a meeting and then you do the little Apple automatic reply. I'm in a meeting, I'll call you back in 45 minutes or I'm in a meeting, please call me back in 45 minutes. But I answer my phone. So because I'm answering my phone, because there is that communication and that contact and then I trained everybody to use the communication portal inside Clio. So you need something, you need to send a document, you want to have a question, drop it in Clio. It'll be in your file. It'll be recorded. That's the fastest way to get a response from me, even faster than dialing my number. And then a push notification comes up, which I love the apps, right? That I can answer those push notifications and they feel well taken care of. So training my clients to use the tools, using the tools myself, practicing over that basically 12 to 15 months, and then aligning myself with the remote year platform also helped a lot. And with remote year, one of the things that they gave me is here's a list of things that people have needed when traveling, because they've been doing this for years with a lot of engineers, a lot of tech people that are you know doing their coding wherever in the world as they're sitting on the beach. And that just sounded so appealing to me too, right? Sitting on the beach and working through a stock purchase agreement. Yeah. You don't want to be doing a stock purchase agreement, but if you're going to be doing it while you're watching the Mediterranean make ripples, that's lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. I want to hear more about that. I want you to kind of get into a day in the life of working remote in Spain when you were there. What was that like? What was your day-to-day like? What did you do in the morning? And then how did you start your work day? And how did the day kind of flow? I got to say, I came back from Spain. I was fully jet lagged and I wanted to stay on Spain time. So after all of this, you know, training myself and training my clients and setting up the schedule so people could get time on my calendar, I get to Spain. And of course, I'm jet lagged, right? Because we're there seven hours ahead of us, which means that at seven o'clock, you know, in the morning here, it's already two in the afternoon over there. So it made my day shift a little bit towards, I think, what we call second shift, right? So I'm more like starting at 11 and finishing at like two in the morning. So I get up in the morning. I go to the market. The market was a block from my little apartment. I had a nice little apartment, fully furnished, almost like an Airbnb or Verbo, right? So everything is in there. It's fully appointed, including a washer and dryer and a little that you need to use. And, you know, it wasn't a studio. It was like a convertible studio where the rooms divide. So it was really lovely. And I had a view out to like the little Spanish streets. And I'm in a neighborhood that is, you know, equivalent of like a an old town here in Chicago. So like everything is walkable. There's like a bank on the corner across the street is a Domino's go figure, but Domino's and what you care about, what you care about is in the corner, there is the little coffee place with the nice lady who speaks like seven languages. So I get up in the morning, I go get my three liters of water. I went to go buy my water every day. Sometimes I'd buy a six pack, but I found that getting up and going and getting my water and picking up my tomatoes and picking up my cucumbers, which is, those were like my staple foods in Spain, was like a good like way to get out. Because if I'm out at the store at 10 o'clock, it's still three in the morning in Chicago. So by the time I get back from doing whatever my view of the market is, and sometimes I go to the grocery store, sometimes I go to the side markets, but it was usually just to pick up my produce 
for the day or the day in the next day to grab my espresso from the little lady who spoke the seven languages on the corner. So I have my espresso, I get my vegetables, I go back to my apartment. And because the workspace in Spain did not have private office, I reserved my time using the co-working space for when I was just doing document drafting and didn't have to have calls. But if I needed calls, I'd stay in my apartment, just like I'm working from home now, put my headphones on. I bought these lovely Air Maxes for when I was there. And by the time I got back, it'd be noon, which is about five in the morning. I could get up, check my emails that came in the evening from the night before. And so do the math, and I was going to bed about two in the morning, which is like seven. People tend to send you emails right up until about 10 because they go, oh, no attorney is going home at five o'clock. Maybe not, but we might be shutting that machine off, right? So I get it up, I answer those calls between what would be five o'clock and seven o'clock in Chicago, which was really like noon and two o'clock where I was. And then I'd work basically from noon to like eight. 9 o'clock at best during Spain time. But during that nine hour period, I wouldn't, unlike Chicago where I'm in my home office and I'm here all day and I might not leave my desk there, I'd work a couple hours and then I'd go out and take a quick like walk around the block just to see what was happening, to hear the sounds, to smell the smells. Even though I was in Valencia and in Valencia, it's an urban area, it was like the energy you could just feel that the energy was completely different. And so it was nice to take those, you know, you have just 30 minutes between calls instead of trying to go do another document because I could do that in the morning right after my walk. I mean, after I picked up my water, I'd go for a quick walk. On days when I would go to the co-working space, I'd come back, still it would be like 11 o'clock, which is still very early in Chicago. And I'd ride my bike. So one of the things that we could do with our remote year program is they lease bikes for us for the month. So I had a bike, my bike had a basket. I put my my backpack, which had my two computers in, in it. And then I'd go to the co-working space where I had set up two monitors to plug each of those computers in so I could do my work. But I'd, I'd take like a nice little 15 minute ride through the city on bike paths that were specifically designated and separated from traffic. So there was no, I don't really know where I'm going and I'm going to be at risk that the cars are going to drive over me, which is what happens in Chicago. There, the bike paths were just, they were like along the sidewalk and there were two lanes for them and people obeyed the traffic. It was wonderful. So I'd ride through the bike paths and you'd pass through these really nice kind of like parkways, right? There'd be, be these parkways. So the bike paths would be along the parkway. So my 15 minutes and all the lush green parkway area, and then I get to the co-working space and I plug in my computers. And then even from there, you know, there's a cafe inside the co-working space. So I'd have my coffee or someone would say, I'm going to go get coffee. Do you need anything? And I'd be like, yeah, bring me a triple espresso. So my espresso would come and I'm having my espresso I'm at my computers, drafting my documents. I could hit save and then go out across the way. And there's some, there's another market where you can pick up juice if I didn't go to produce that day or there was something else I wanted. I ate a lot of prosciutto because it was only like a dollar, a pound in comparison to $25 we pay here in Chicago. So that was lovely. Yeah. And then there were some nights, which is, you know, I think typical of our industry where you just got to do a lot of work. And that's where I'd be in the workspace with all of the 
the monitors and the infrastructure. And I had 24-hour access. This Wi-Fi was super fast, which was fantastic. I had VPNs, right? So I can say, put this VPN, I'm in Idaho, right? So I'm logging in, my computer thinks I'm in Idaho, but it also obviously secured my network. So that was great. And there would be times when I would work until midnight, one o'clock, 1.30 in the morning. And then it's like, okay, Kristen, I realize that it, it's it's really only 6.30 in Chicago, but it does not mean that you can't have to stay at this workspace. You need to go home. And the neighborhoods that were selected for us, for our apartments and our workspace were so nice that like I go out, I put my computer and I felt perfectly secure whether I had my bike or didn't to walk the, I mean, to ride the 15 minute ride home or to walk the 30 minute walk home. And it was because the bike paths are very specific, kind of like roads, you can walk a lot shorter than you can ride, but it's still still a lovely, lovely walk or a lovely, lovely ride. And in the evening, even just the sounds, the smell of the fresh trees and the flowers. Yeah, I loved Spain. Valencia was fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, that is just incredible. I feel like I was right there with you. And I'm really curious how this lifestyle, because it's such a different lifestyle than what I imagine you you have in Chicago and, and working there. But I'm so curious how that actually impacted your business, because I think that we just kind of our brain assumes that if we're in Spain or we're in a European country where things are just kind of slow or people take CS does that it would negatively impact the business. But I'm really curious to hear about how your business has been and how it's grown. We got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll take a look under the hood and see how things are going for you. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting or schedule an appointment with the client while you're elbow deep in an important case. Well, that's where Posh comes in. They're a team of professional U.S.-based live virtual receptionists available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity and you can devote more time to building your law firm. And with the Posh app, you're in total control of when your receptionist steps in. You can save as much as 40% off your current provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh live virtual receptionist services. Does your firm give you freedom? Do you feel confident about what you're building? Are you in control of your schedule, focused on the right things? If not, maybe it's time for some help. Lawyerist Lab is here to help you build a healthier business. Lawyers in our program are building profitable businesses that can run without them so they can take that six-week trip to Europe. They're finding joy in being business owners. Sound interesting? Schedule a 10-minute, no-pressure call with me, Sarah by clicking the link in the show notes or go to lawyerist.com forward slash coaching. 30% of calls to a lawyer will result in a new client. How many calls do you miss while at court, during a meeting, or while spending quality time with your family? Berkshire Receptionist is a group of highly trained U.S.-based 24-7 legal receptionists who have provided concierge service to law firms for over 80 years. They'll answer your phone, transfer your calls, schedule appointments, perform lead intake, and much more. They're there when you need them at a price that just makes sense. Call now and receive up to $100 in savings on your first month of service at 866-928-5757 or visit BerkshireReceptionist.com slash Lawyerist to get started. 
we're back and I'm talking to Kristen Carlton about being a digital nomad and building this law firm abroad and being able to have the freedom of working from anywhere. And so Kristen, I'm super curious how this cultural change that you experienced in Spain and the freedom and just the I mean, there's such a focus on being present and living life and getting out when you want to and really not being tied down to anything. How did that actually impact your business? I think it had a very positive impact on my business. Wow. And I say positive impact because the change in my energy was palpable, right? There's a certain stress we have, like, you know, just being in a city like Chicago or New York or just being an attorney. There's like a, a tension that we live with. And that tension, it had no place in Valencia. <laughs> no place in Valencia. I still did the work. I still did my marketing efforts. I still took on new clients. In fact, I think in July, I took on probably 10 new clients that you know, I interviewed and that hired me while I was there in Spain. Fortunately, I had my virtual assistant who was here in Chicago. Not that it mattered. He could in Chicago. He could have been in anywhere in the world. He could have been in Bali, which is hopefully a next on the list. But through the processing, a client said, yes, I'd like to hire you. He'd send them the stuff that they needed to go through our onboarding process. And I just kept doing the work. But in that time frame that was allotted for work, and it was nice in the morning for me having that time to go for the walk. I think I'm finding it's challenging here in Chicago to get up and try to go for that walk because the sounds are just so different. I walk outside, I hear trains, I hear cars, there's horns beating, there's big giant trucks. Not that there wasn't traffic, but where I lived, it was just the taxis were slower. Everything felt like you downshifted from fifth gear at 104 to like, we're going to just set cruise at 53. But yeah, the business continued to grow. It didn't taper at all. I think it actually expanded. Tell me more about that. So your marketing efforts, did you do anything differently being abroad or were you still targeting the same people in the same ways that you would have if you were still in Chicago? How did you get clients? I did not do anything different in Spain than I had been doing in Chicago. I did the marketing efforts exactly the same. I still had referrals. I still continued to follow up with my clients. I needed follow-up at certain times of the day. I still kept answering my telephone. So at some point, it may have been, I don't know, 1130 at night, which is 430 in Chicago. And I'm sitting in a hibachi grill with someone having, you know, Japanese barbecue and my phone rings. Okay, I'm going to step out on the street. And this is Kristen Carlton. How can I help you? And I'm going to answer the phone and I'm going to take the call. And I'll keep a little notebook inside my backpack so I can make notes the same as I would for any other, at any other time. I have like a standard notebook that I use, but have my little backup. And the moment that they said, yep, we'd like to hire you. Okay, let me verify your information. And I'd send that over to my assistant. So by the time I got up in the morning, my time, which was still in the middle of the night for him, all the documents were there and we were ready to get going. It didn't slow down at all. I didn't do anything different. I think I was probably more effective at it and because I was more relaxed. It made the sales pitches 
that much, I won't call them easier, but effective. And I think that the client felt more confident because of the even tone that they could hear in my voice. And in some cases, when it was very, very late and, oh, can I call you in two hours? No, you can't call me at eight o'clock your time because it's going to be three in the morning. I just happened to be in Spain. I almost never disclosed it okay. unless it was we're calling for a late meeting or just something happened where we're doing a, you know, a video conference, like, you know, in a Zoom. And during that time, they could see, well, where are you? I'm in Spain. I'll be home on the 31st. It's not a problem. A lot of them seem to be impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can imagine undoubtedly. And I'm wondering how this idea of working remote and having that freedom could translate in a law firm where the attorneys did have to go to court, where there was litigation, where they had to really be physically present. I'm trying to get creative and think of for those people listening who are like, well, I could never do that because I do have to show up in court. It's like, well, is there an in-between? Is there a something that you could create in your business to provide value, like whether it's a recurring business model or some type of paid training that they can do that would allow them to still have revenue, but also not require them to be in court as much, maybe they don't stop doing that completely. Or maybe they take out like, you know, three months out of the year and dedicate to being able to travel freely. And they just don't take those types of clients during that year. I'm trying to think about how this can apply to everyone who's listening. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. So (laughs) I knew you would. (laughs) The way I think about that is, when we think of like those super mega law firms, those partners don't have any problem taking a one month vacation and being gone for the entire month. And you know what? People schedule around them. I'm the owner of my business and I am. That makes me the partner. So guess what? People need to schedule around. The clients are hiring me for a reason. My father used to say this to me. He would say, you despise your education. Like I don't despise my education, dad. But what he was really saying is, do not forget why people are hiring you. You are the one with the brain trust. If they had the brain trust, they wouldn't hire you because you have the brain trust. Even though they're the ones with the money, you're the one with the brain trust. And that doesn't mean let's be egotistical and make everybody wait for us. But it also means that we can take a month vacation. The reason I could do the remote year program is because it wasn't a year. It was one month in the month of July. And in many other parts of the world, the lawyers take all of August off. There are times of the year with, you know, respect to religious holidays coming in, you know, December, whether it be Hanukkah or Christmas, that people don't expect people to be at work. These are times that you can just take a whole month and go away. And if someone says, oh, I'm not, I'm not available on December the 15th. I'm not available until January 3rd. Oh yeah, right. It's the holiday. People will accept it if we normalize it. Yeah. And I, it, I imagine that that's a big cultural thing too. I think just here in the US, it's, it's a little more taboo than other parts of the world. But the benefits, I mean, what you're describing about your ability to show up differently as a business owner, as a leader, as someone who provides value to people, you're actually able to provide more value 
and help more people in a much bigger way and grow your own business. So it's a win-win because you're prioritizing you and the life that you want and the business that you want to create and your happiness. I mean, life is short and we don't talk about this too much on the Lawyerist podcast, but again, you're just such a, a living example of really focusing on what your priorities are. And it doesn't have to mean sacrificing your business. Clearly. I mean, you're doing this. So any other advice that you have for anyone who's considering working remotely, becoming a legal nomad, what are some things that they need to think about in advance? I would say things to think about in advance, simple things, technology. You need to have the latest, greatest, best. It doesn't have to be the absolute best, but not something where it's okay to limp along at home. You are abroad. You don't want to limp. And technology costs way more abroad than it does here. Even down to getting my, you know, my AirPods. Like I need to know that I've got good sound and I can isolate myself away from sounds outside. So that was a purchase I made before leaving for Spain that I'm still using now. Having a VPN, VPN services are not that expensive. You think they're going to be, but they're not. So just add that to your technology budget for the year. Having access to your legal libraries, whichever libraries you use digitally and knowing how to navigate those quickly enough so that you really are making efficient use of your time. For me, it was helpful to travel with basically remote year, the company as a concierge because they took care of making sure the co-working space was there. They took care of making sure the housing was, was adapted. And so there are lots of things that we as lawyers will say, oh, I could do that myself. But you know what? Full employment. We don't need to do everything. So and I think that's another thing, right? Like full employment. We can hire people to help us. We don't have to do everything. And if you're not, if you can embrace that piece and then embrace the technology, then the nomad piece you know, you can be sitting in Chicago, you can be sitting in Atlanta, you can be sitting in Tucson, you can be sitting anywhere as easily as you could be sitting in your home office, if everything can be done from your laptop. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, why not, right? Well, it's been such a joy to hear your story. And it's so inspiring. I'm so proud of you for doing this and for prioritizing yourself. So what's next for you? What are you excited about? I know that this podcast is being released in November-ish of 2022, and we've got you know next year coming. And what are your plans? Are you doing some more traveling we should be aware of? I am. I'm so excited. I can barely contain myself. So today is Wednesday. On Sunday at 5 a.m., I will be flying to Colombia, Medellin, and I will be a month there. My daughters made me come home for Thanksgiving. She's a freshman. Okay, great. I hear you. I'll come home for Thanksgiving. But then I fly to Brazil and I will be in Brazil all of December, first week of January. So I'll spend five weeks in Brazil, four weeks in Colombia. And because I'm officially a nomad with the program, I'm looking at possibly spending April in Bali. Wow. That's really exciting. Yeah. Well, you better tell me all about it and you better post some pictures in the lab forum so that your fellow labsters can see what you're doing and get inspired. Oh, this is so fun. Well, thank you for coming on the Lawyerist podcast today and sharing your story. I only wish the best for you. I want you to go 
travel the world to every place you can possibly imagine in your heart. And I only wish the most success for your business, for it to be whatever you want it to be, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.